What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 140 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be finishing the conversation that we started yesterday. If you're interested in hearing our thoughts on how the rookies at quarterback and running back fit into the fantasy landscape this year, you can check that out. It is available on all podcasting platforms. Today, though, Joey, we're going to be talking about wide receivers and tight ends. Yep, we're going to be talking about one of the uh, worst tight end classes of all time besides Kyle Pitts. And then we're also going to be discussing these terrible wide receiver landing spots besides some of the top guys. So I'm excited for this conversation that we're about to have. I'm excited. It's going to be lit. I say we just get right into it. All right, let's do it. Starting off with wide receivers. Three guys went in the top 10 this year, all of which somehow got reunited with quarterbacks they'd caught passes from in college. And let's start off with your boy, Jamar Chase. I don't know if I saw anybody in the drafters tournament take Jamar Chase with more consistency in the seventh round than you did. A bit of a surprise here. I think he was expected to go with the next pick to the Dolphins, but the Bengals, they took Jamar Chase. They took their guy. They they reunited him with Joe Burrow. What do you think that his upside is in year one? I mean, I think his upside is top 15 just an elite prospect coming out of college. Jamar Chase is reunited with his college quarterback that he put up 2,000 yards with. So I I think the sky's the limit for Jamar Chase automatically becomes the alpha wide receiver one in that offense. But I still love T. Higgins, and I like Tyler Boyd as well. Um, So I would still target them. And I just think there's enough uh, volume to go around for all of these guys to eat. Obviously, Tyler Boyd gets a little knocked down, and T. Higgins gets a little knocked down. But it's not like I'm going to completely avoid them. Like Jamar Chase can't catch every single one of Joe Burrow's pass attempts and Joe Burrow if he starts 17 games should be well over like 600 passing attempts with how the Bengals want to run their offense running four wide receiver sets or five wide receiver sets at one of the highest rates in the NFL I don't really see that changing this year either so I love I love Jamar Chase loved him in the seventh round do I think his ADP gets bumped up now for sure 100% I think this was one of the better landing spots for him if I had to predict I, I could see him going in the fifth round now I think he gets a little two-round ADP bump. Um, I think he'll go above T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, which wasn't the case before. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase, I'll probably still have some shares of him, but not going to have as many shares of him as I had when he was going in the seventh round. That's for damn sure, because I drafted him in pretty much every draft, and he's like my <laughs> highest own wide receiver. So shout out to me. Yeah, shout out to you. I mean, it's it's definitely a great landing spot. I mean, Joe Burrow was averaging over 40 attempts per game before he got hurt last year. So, you know, this is an offense that's going to be pass centric. And I agree with you. I mean, Jamar Chase is the clear cut alpha here. I think that T Higgins, I, I think he takes a bit, a bit of a hit here. Um, I, I mean, you said it, Higgins takes a bit of a hit. Boyd takes a bit of a hit. Yeah. There'll be a lot of pass attempts to go around, but I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if like, if T Higgins is going in the sixth round, mate, I don't know if I could pay that price for him. Tyler Boyd gets the biggest knock just because he's the least talented wide receiver now, but they still have no tight end. Joe Mixon should get some targets, but other than that, it's going to be the the top three guys. T Higgins, I, I think is a very talented wide receiver, more talented than Tyler Boyd. Let's say teams treat Jamar Chase as the clear cut alpha wide receiver one, how we view him. That would leave T Higgins 
against teams opposing cornerback twos, which is a matchup that he can exploit any single day of the week, any given time. So I still like T. Higgins, but there's another mouth to feed and an elite mouth to feed at that. So gets a bit of a knock, but I still like him in fantasy football. And if his ADP drops, which it probably will, he was getting drafted in the fifth round. I could see those ADPs just flip-flopping. Jamar Chase goes fifth in the fifth round. T. Higgins goes in the seventh round. Tyler Boyd probably goes in the eighth round or ninth round. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that they would all be buys at that point. And Joe Burrow, definitely a buy after this. I mean, that's nothing but a boost. Jamar Chase, 65 receptions, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. Is that doable as a rookie? Yeah, it's very doable in 17 games now. Probably have more than all of that, to be honest. All right. I think that he is in position to have a really, really stellar rookie year. How about the guy who went with the next pick? Jalen Waddle going to Miami. What are your thoughts there? I mean, I, th- I think it's another great selection for Miami. They have a great three wide receiver set now with Devontae Parker and Will Fuller on the outside. And Jalen Waddle probably going to be the slot wide receiver for Miami. Reunites with Tua, which obviously is a good thing for Tua. I, I think it all depends on how well Tua plays in, in terms of Jalen Waddle's production. Can Tua have a sophomore leap after a disappointing rookie year, or is he actually a bust? We'll obviously have to find that out, but I think the Dolphins' offense is set up for Tua to succeed. I think it's set up for Waddle, Parker, and Fuller to all succeed. If what I'm reading about Jalen Waddle comes true, I mean, this is a great pick. A lot of people believe that he has a very high ceiling in the NFL and could be one of the next best wide receivers in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I, I like the pick. In terms of fantasy, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Miami. You have obviously the two wide receivers I mentioned. Then you have Mike Gasicki at the tight end spot. And then you also have Miles Gaskin, who actually had a lot of receptions last year for Miami. So I, I don't know. I, I think in terms of fantasy, I would have him as my wide receiver three, just because the opportunity might not be there. Unlike the other two guys that I have above him, one of them being Jamar Chase, one of them being the next guy that we'll talk about, but he still has elite upside as a big play threat in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest impact of this draft pick and him going to Miami is that, I mean, Tua is just absolutely set up to have a huge bounce back as yeah. a sophomore. I mean, Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki. And then, you know, even when you go further down the depth chart, there could be worse depth players than Preston Williams and Lynn Bowden, um, you know, as your four and five. So Miles Gaskin is a good pass catching running back as well, like you mentioned. So, I mean, Tua is set up. We've been on it. You know, we've been drafting Tua in these best ball leagues. I think we both think he got, you know, the the worst end of the stick as a rookie last year and just situationally things didn't play out for him and that's been corrected you know they brought in Waddle they brought in Will Fuller this offense could be extremely extremely explosive you know as a downfield passing attack do you think though that Jalen Waddle who you know by all accounts is an elite deep threat does his arrival in Miami negatively impact Will Fuller. It, it could because the way that you could like look at it is they both do kind of the same thing in, in terms of stretching the field as a deep threat. But if what I'm reading is right and that Jalen Waddle is going to play in the slot, that can make for a lot of easy receptions for him. Playing slot wide receiver is easier than playing on the outside. So could be beneficial for Jalen Waddle if they put him in that position. I, I don't I don't know. I, I think Will Fuller probably gets a knock here. 
Um, mm-hmm. Just just because you know you draft a wide receiver at number six, you're gonna play him. So I, I think even in two wide receiver sets, it could be Waddle and Devontae Parker. Uh, I mean, look, I I like. Devontae Parker as much as the next guy, but I mean, you're just saying he's going to play over Will Fuller in, in two wide sets. I mean, couldn't it be Fuller and Waddle? Nah, Devontae Devontae Parker and and, and Waddle in two wide receiver sets. Never knew uh, that your disrespect for Will Fuller ran so deep, but you know, I guess now I do. All right, we have another wide receiver who went in the top ten. Another guy who was, I mean kind of reunited with his college quarterback. I think that they said that a bunch of times, but it doesn't really actually translate. But Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner goes 10, goes to the Eagles. And, you know, I mean, this is a huge boost for Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. Yeah, it 100% is a boost, um, gives Jalen Hurts another weapon on the outside. The Eagles kind of were lacking in terms of outside wide receivers. Jalen Rager was disappointing in his rookie year. Travis Fulgham is probably kind of the odd man out in in this situation just the eagles just had one of the league's weakest uh wide receiving corps i think this is a great opportunity for Devonte smith to come in to philadelphia and and immediately uh claim that wide receiver one role uh jalen rager would be bumped down to wide receiver two and Devonte smith i mean I, I think he could have the most opportunity out of any rookie wide receiver in year one so Mm. for those reasons Devontae Smith is my wide receiver too for 2021 because it's hard for me to put him above Jamar Chase but I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that Devontae Smith has the most targets out of all of the rookie wide receivers in 2021. Wow I I I strongly disagree with that take I I don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to be throwing 40 times per game the way that that Joe Burrow likely will. Yeah, I mean, there's just nobody else in Philadelphia to catch passes besides Rager and Goddard. Yeah, Rager, Goddard. I mean, if Hurts is is throwing 30, 35 times a game, which is really possible, especially in the NFL in in 2021, it's a passing league. I I think Devontae Smith is the clear-cut alpha in Philadelphia. They, They have nobody behind him and Rager. That is a threat. Obviously, Goddard is kind of like the net, the next thing at tight end, so he'll assume a good target share. But other than that, there's there's nobody. Like they have Sanders, who will get some targets. Devonte Smith should come in and should see production right away. So for those reasons, he's my wide receiver too. But like I said, he he, I, I think there's a possibility that he could see more targets than Jamar Chase. Um, I, th- I think that's a bold take, but I, after you explained it a little more, I think that does make sense for sure. And yeah, I, I agree that he should be the clear-cut alpha. Definitely a guy that I think makes a lot of sense to stack with Jalen Hurts. I mean, those two guys could create monster weeks together in fantasy. A couple more guys went in the back end of the first round. One of them is Kadarius Toney, who goes to the Giants at 20. How, how do you feel about this addition? I mean, it's kind of pointless. Tony is <laughs> irrelevant for fantasy football in 2021. In Dynasty, it's kind of more just a stash because I, I think the Giants three wide receiver set 
right now as it stands is Kenny G, Slayton, and Sterling Shepard. You also throw in Saquon, who's a great pass catcher, Evan Ingram, even Kyle Rudolph could see some targets. So just too, too many mouths to feed in New York. So Tony, I mean, I'm not targeting him at all, but he does have first round draft capital. So maybe he surplants Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton. Could be one, could be the other. I don't I don't know, but I'm staying away from him. He'll probably have one game all year where he goes over 10 points yeah i mean honestly the fact that the giants disrespected godius like this by by spending this pick on Kadarius tony makes me a little sick to my stomach it really does like you know this is about as egregious to me as the jags taking travis Etienne. like the problem is not the talent at the position right the the problem is that daniel jones missed this man on free deep shots all year last year Mm -hmm. you know they already brought in kenny g Darius Slayton wasn't the problem. Sterling Shepard wasn't the problem. Like, I don't know, man. You know, Daniel Jones, shout out to shout out to him. I mean, he has no more excuses. First round wide receiver, Darius Slayton, Kenny G on the outside, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, you know, playing receiver at tight end, and Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. I mean, this offense is theoretically loaded. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most talented offenses in the NFL, and they have crazy depth as well, pretty much at every position. O-line is still a concern, but yeah, Daniel Jones, this is this is his make or break year. And I mean, if we're just talking about the draft real quick, I, I think it was pretty egregious that those like four teams from seven to 11, besides the Cowboys, obviously, because they have Dak passed on Justin Fields. If I'm a GM, yeah. I'm drafting Justin Fields if I'm the Giants. And I don't care if I have Daniel Jones, but I that, mean, you know, that's I, neither here I, I felt there. pure pain when, when the Lions passed on him, when the draft, you know, fell perfectly for them. Basically, you know, Justin Fields is sitting there at seven. They didn't have to trade up to get him. You could draft him right there. Instead, you pass on him now, you know, Penny Sewell. There were quotes that he's like a surefire Hall of Famer. Like, it's not a bad pick necessarily in a vacuum. I'm sure he's going to be a great player, but passing over Justin Fields and then not only that but he lands in the Lions division I mean that that's going to be causing Lions fans like myself pain for the next 15 years as Justin yeah. Fields ascends to the top of the NFC North this is not optimal not <laughs> optimal drafting by uh by the Detroit Lions and everyone is you know giving them a pat on the back saying they killed this draft I'm like guys how, how can you say that when you pass on Justin Fields like everything good that you did after that moment is negated I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah I mean people just look at it through a different lens so I guess you you kind of have to respect it a little bit um they're like they have enough draft capital to trade up next year it's like bro we didn't have to trade up you you had the pick you had the quarterback right there at seven so next year they're gonna probably you know trade two first and a third to get back in the top five and then i mean they'll they'll be in the top five don't don't worry about that they will have the top five pick and probably draft a quarterback next year um, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll worry, we'll worry about that when, when the time comes, but still, they'll definitely be in the, in the top three right there with new England and Houston. I mean, all in the same tier. We, we were 15 and our roster was 100 times worse. So good, good luck in, in us having a top three pick <laughs> May make that bet. You'll become rich. Um, yeah, but yeah, just pretty egregious drafting. Uh, all around in, in 2021 I mean the Giants this was a terrible pick shot shout out to them though they they got a playmaker at a position that they were probably the most deep out of their whole <laughs> roster yeah yeah it makes sense yeah we need to move on he he's a irre- he's irrelevant for fantasy unless he surplants one of the three but even then there's going to be so many mouths to feed yeah I mean I mean he's definitely 
uh, you know, not supplanting Darius Lee. And that was just a joke when I when I said his name in the moment of silence. Um, <laughs> all jokes. All right. Final wide receiver who went in the first round, uh, you know, another bet that we both smashed on uh, over four and a half wide receivers getting taken. And, and part of the reason that that was a smash to me was because Baltimore ended up getting a second first round pick towards the end. This was a glaring need for them. Felt like they were always going to go wide receiver. And they did. They grabbed Rashad Bateman. Also later uh, got Tylen Wallace, um, somebody who a lot of people thought would go quite a bit higher in the draft than where he did at pick 131. So, you know, uh, the Ravens make a concerted effort to bolster their wide receivers. And the headliner is Rashad Bateman with the 27th pick. Yeah, I mean, he has immediate opportunity, right? He's probably their wide receiver one off rip like Mm -hmm. today. He, he's their clear-cut wide receiver one because they have nobody else. They have Sammy Watkins, who is a career bust. He can't stay healthy. They have Hollywood Brown, who I like. I like him as a player, but he's not that alpha wide receiver one that you want, and Rashad Bateman is. I, I like the pick. Obviously, we have to see if Lamar can support multiple pass catchers uh, because we haven't seen him do that. The Ravens have been a run-first offense. And that will obviously limit some of Bateman's potential production and obviously the other wide receivers that are in the mix. But I think he's a day one starter and he should see immediate snaps, should see immediate opportunity. It's just all about can Lamar Jackson support two or three or four fantasy relevant wide receivers. We haven't seen him do it up to this point and you know, we, we don't know if he can. So I, I think that's just the glaring concern. And then also, like I mentioned, they're a run first team and I don't, I don't think they want to change that. So just in terms of fantasy, I mean, you have to take him in redraft and you have to take him in best ball just because he's going to be a starter, but I, I don't know about his upside for the whole season. Yeah. I think that that's also the prevailing thought though. So I don't see his ADP really jumping much. In fact, it could dip potentially. I think it, I think it might dip. I think it might, because yeah. from what I've seen, people do not like this spot at all. They don't, for neither for Bateman or Tylen Wallace, uh, honestly. But, I mean, just looking at it from, like, a Lamar Jackson perspective, this is a big win for him. You know, they they draft two wide receivers. Both of them are quality guys. Definitely improvements over Miles Boykin and Willie Sneed, who are running entirely too many routes. Even Des Bryant, for some reason, was out there running routes last year. So, I think that, all in all, Lamar Jackson, this is a big boost for him and his fantasy outlook looked as a top four fantasy quarterback yeah I definitely agree uh Lamar still gonna be one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL man I'm gonna be honest after these first round guys you know the landing spots Joey I texted you you know during day two of the draft and and man I'm just I'm not crazy about any of these landing spots even for the guys that we like you know out of this next crop of wide receivers Elijah Moore goes to the New York Jets that's a crowded wide receiver room Rondale Moore goes to the Cardinals. Dwayne Estridge, I mean, what's his upside in Seattle? Going to be, you know, the the fourth option behind, you know, Carson, Metcalf, and Lockett? I, I don't know. Tutu Atwell goes to the Rams. They're loaded at wide receiver. Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, CMC. Like, a lot of these guys are just landing in positions where opportunity is going to be a big problem for them in year one. A lot of these guys aren't going to be uh, fantasy relevant in 2021. That's for damn sure. The The one guy that I think could be relevant is Elijah Moore. Got drafted at pick 34, which is basically a first rounder. Uh, so pretty decent draft capital. And 
the speculation is is that he's going to take Jameson Crowder's spot as the New York Jets slot wide receiver. So their three wide receiver set then would be Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore. I, I mean, did you see the A.J. Brown video? The, this dude was saying that Elijah yeah. Moore is better than him. I mean, A.J. Brown was crying to this man. Yeah. It was That was intense. Yeah, so if Elijah Moore is getting that type of praise, I mean, I'd be willing to take a shot on him. I, I've seen people gas him up and say that he's a very talented wide receiver. So... I, I like the Jets getting Zach Wilson, you know, more talent and getting him weapons. Uh, it just comes down to will the Jets offense actually be good? Will Zach Wilson be good? I think we have to wait and see on that. But opportunity, you know, it, it should be there. But like you said, it is crowded. But I still wouldn't mind taking Elijah Moore in a best ball format. But other than that, the third round guys, no shot. Uh, I'm not taking any of these guys. I mean, Terrace Marshall has some appeal, but he's in a very crowded room with an alpha and DJ Moore and then a good wide receiver and Robbie Anderson and CMC is going to get, you know, fucking 100 targets. Even David Moore, and, who profiles yeah. similarly to Terrace Marshall and has been successful, albeit, you know, maybe not a monster fantasy guy, but he has been a productive NFL receiver. Yeah, for sure. Dwayne Eskridge. Nah, I mean, I... I've seen people just absolutely blasting him. I know Matt likes him. What I've read is that he's a good route runner and could be the Seahawks wide receiver three. I just think Metcalf and Lockett are the guys there. Eskridge is a 24-year-old rookie wide receiver uh, that, oh, no shot. that never got over 800 yards receiving in college or, or something like that. So no shot on Eskridge for Dynasty especially. Tutu Atwell, he, he's mm, built no. like me. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I mean... You're you're built more of an NFL wide receiver than Tutu Atwell. Is. Let's be real. That, that's embarrassing, man. That that is embarrassing. I'm I'm sitting here drinking white claws and smoking cigarettes, and this guy is shorter than me and weighs less. What are we doing? Uh, and then uh, I mean, Josh Palmer went to the Chargers. I like him for dynasty. Probably doesn't have much redraft appeal this year. Deami Brown, I think, has a little appeal in Washington as their wide receiver three. I think is what he will be. But you still have Terry McLaurin. You still have Curtis Samuel there, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. There's a lot of mouths to feed. And and that's basically the summary of all of these guys is there's players above them that are established players in the NFL that have produced at a high level opportunity will be very, very slim. So I'm not liking any of these guys pretty much for best ball or for redraft um, but obviously you take shots on guys like Deami Brown who have high upside due to you know their athleticism or their speed or you know their deep playability or, or whatnot we skipped over uh Rondale Moore I know you're not a believer you want to want to give your take on Bruh, why I'm not drafting no five seven wide receiver <laughs> first of all second of all there's some speculation that they might move him to running back which I don't know. Ooh, Maybe they Chase do. Chase Edmonds in trouble? I mean, he's an explosive player. He he was hurt, though. There's some injury concerns. He only played seven games the last two years of his college career at Purdue. But in in his first year, he played 13 games, had, had 1,200 yards, 114 catches. But he's just very, very undersized for the NFL. 5'7", 181. Uh, but the thing is, uh, is that a lot of people say that he plays bigger than than his size. 
I don't know how well that will translate to the NFL. He'll only be a slot wide receiver. And even then, I think it'll be hard for him to have some success. He would 100% be an outlier. And I don't know if I, if I would feel comfortable saying that he's going to work out in the NFL when the majority of players that have his size don't work out in the NFL. Hey, Cliff has a type, man. You know, people said the same thing about Kyler Murray, albeit a different position, but size was a concern for him. He's too short. He's too small. Hey, he turned out all right. I mean, Kyler Murray, he's just very good and he's a quarterback. I think wide receiver is, is different. Like, I think you need size to be a wide receiver. You can get away with being a short quarterback if you're naturally talented or a shorter quarterback, I should say, if you have the raw ability and maybe Rondell Moore does have that raw ability I just think the size hinders him more than it does at the quarterback position especially when you're you're facing defenders that are six feet six one are just as fast as you and and you're not playing against bums that are going to graduate college and and become mechanical engineers okay Uh, (laughs) so I, I, I don't know um, Rondell Moore, a lot of people are high on him. I'm probably not one of those guys. And and one of the sayings that, that I like that a lot of uh, of the analysts that we listen to say is, you know, people people feel way too confident in trying to predict outliers. Mm. Bars. Just let that sit for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talking about opportunity, which you just mentioned, and that's going to be a problem for a lot of these guys. Out of these wide receivers that were taken at the back end of the third, top of the fourth, I think three guys stand out in terms of potential opportunity. Those three are Amari Rogers, who went to the Packers with the 85th pick, Nico Collins, who went to Houston with the 89th pick, and uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, who went 112 to the Lions. Um, I think all of these guys have some immediate potential in terms of being able to get on the field right away, see snaps and see targets. Now, breaking them each down individually, Amari Rogers, you know, they have MVS and Lazard there opposite Devontae Adams. And I think it's possible that a third round wide receiver jumps both of them. However, I mean, this Aaron Rodgers situation puts kind of a pause on, on, you know, taking shots on fringe wide receiver two threes for the Packers, I think. I mean, the whole Rodgers situation puts a damper on his outlook because we don't know if Rodgers is going to play, obviously. And then if Jordan Love is the starter, we don't know how that will work out. So kind of uh, putting a pause on Amari and then Nico Collins, I think, has clear cut opportunity to become the Texans wide receiver two opposite bitch boy Brandon Cooks. Um, (laughs) Nico Collins could be a late round target at the wide receiver position in best ball because garbage time points count the same as non-garbage time points and Houston is going to be in a lot of garbage time situations. So get you some uh, Davis Mills and Nico Collins stacks Mm. out there. I like that. Yo, Nico Collins... This man is a stone cold alpha if there ever was one. 6'4, 215 athletic freak. And, you know, according to PFF, he was ranked 13th among all wide receivers in college for contested targets, was averaging 19.7 yards per catch in elite grade, like I said, with contested catches. So, yeah, Nico Collins. Uh, I, I like the opportunity there. Um, I mean, definitely a bummer that the quarterback situation is going to be bad. But, like you said, there should be targets there and he should immediately jump 
Dante Moncrief, Chris Conley, and whatever other bums they have uh, playing opposite Brandon Cooks. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he ran a 4-4 at his pro day, so good speed for a player of his size. Has an 89th percentile speed score, a 94th percentile catch radius, and 77th percentile burst score. So he's actually a pretty athletic big man that has some sneaky speed and, like you said, some great contested catch ability. So... I like targeting him above some of these other guys like Rondell Moore, Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Terrace Marshall. Uh, just a just a solid landing spot for Nico Collins, I think, um, in terms of opportunity. And then Des Fitzpatrick is is the next guy that we could talk about for a minute or so. Tennessee drafted him with the 109 pick. I'm not too high on him just looking at his metrics on player profiler I mean he's 6'2 so decent height he did run a 4'4 at his pro day but doesn't really excel in the speed or agility or catch radius categories didn't produce much at Louisville but Louisville is kind of a a trash college to be honest so I I don't know if Des Fitzpatrick immediately comes in and and is the wide receiver two opposite AJ Brown I think uh, at this point, Josh Reynolds is still the wide receiver too over Des Fitzpatrick, but there is opportunity for Des to come in and see the field some, but obviously the offense is still going to run through AJ Brown. The offense is still going to run through the King Derrick Henry. So opportunity could be scarce in Tennessee, but he should see the field in 2021. He could, he could. And they added another wide receiver late in the later rounds as well. So I think that wide receiver two spot is something we'll have to keep an eye on and see what news we get throughout the course of uh, the coming weeks and and months. For sure. And I mean, just how I'm looking at it is if Josh Reynolds still goes in the 16th, 17th round after this, I mean, one of the best values you'll ever get. AJ Brown, I mean, God, this dude has overall wide receiver one upside this year. Mm -hmm. He could see 150 targets. And Anthony Ferkser is still a steal at his ADP if it doesn't jump. He's he's right there with Josh Reynolds getting drafted around pick 168, 170. Those are two guys that I'll probably be targeting heavy throughout the next couple of months if their ADP doesn't change because they're low-key winners too. Yeah, I agree with that. I mentioned it briefly already, but Amonra St. Brown, who goes to the Lions' brother of Equinemius, I mean... The, the first names of these guys are confidence-inspiring, first of all, I want to say that, but the opportunity is even more inspiring because Amonra comes in to you know, a wide receiver core in Detroit that consists of Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams. So the opportunity is there for him to have an early impact. You know, People have compared him to a Terry McLaurin type of wide receiver. You know, I think that he was anticipated to go quite a bit higher than where he fell. So, you know, that was another pick that a lot of people were applauding the Lions for making. And I think that he has the, you know, the chance to see targets right away from day one from Jared Goff. I mean, his competition for targets is Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman, not too great of players ahead of him on the depth chart. So he should immediately come in and see snaps and see targets for the Lions, uh, fourth round wide receiver. His metrics aren't, aren't crazy. Crazy good. Like he ran a 4.6, which isn't inspiring. Has a 13th percentile speed score, but he has a 86th percentile burst score. He has some sneaky, uh, like acceleration. He's 5'11, 197. So I think he's just going to profile as uh, more of a slot wide receiver, more of a possession wide receiver. That could benefit Jared Goff. Uh, what, I, what I saw is that he could be the Cooper Cup of the Rams for Jared Goff. 
um, in Detroit. But the opportunity is king, and I think he leapfrogs at least two of the guys that are above him on the depth chart right now because, I mean, Quintez Cephas is a scrub, and Tyrell and Brashard Perryman are, are nothing special either. But I, I just don't know if this dude is a good wide receiver. But a lot of people say that he shouldn't have fell to where he fell, so I'm, I'm assuming that he has some talent. I mean, hopefully he's better than his brother because, I mean, Equinemius was uh, kind of a disappointment for, for the Packers. No cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that looking at the metrics is probably going to be more beneficial in the long term than not in terms of predicting these guys' career outcomes. And his metrics aren't good. So, mm. speaking of metrics, one other guy I want to shout out uh, who actually went higher than Amonra was Anthony Schwartz, who went with the 91st pick to Cleveland. And you want to talk about metrics. I mean, he ran a 4-3-2 at the combine and actually a 4-2-7 at his pro day. So, I mean, this guy is a burner. He's quite possibly the fastest wide receiver in this class. And, you know, he goes to a situation in Cleveland where, I mean, you could you could make a reasonable case that he is the day one wide receiver three over Rashard Higgins. I mean, I know they like Higgins. They signed him to a one-year deal later uh, on in free agency. But, you know, besides Odell and Jarvis Landry, there's room for targets there. So, um, you know, is he going to be drowning in targets? Probably not in a run-first offense with guys like Odell and Jarvis solidified, but he could have some monster weeks for best ball. I, I like it in terms of, you know, say a Cleveland team stack as, as a as a team that could potentially lean more pass heavy this year. I, I'm probably not going to be drafting any Anthony Schwartz. They have Odell and, and Juice, like you mentioned, but they are a run-first team. I don't think they're going to pass more. I think Kevin Stefanski is a run-first guy. He wants to establish the run. So that obviously hurts the pass catcher's upside a little bit. And then, like you mentioned, they got Rashard Higgins, who they like. They also have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who played quite a bit last year. So there's some competition for targets just in the wide receiver room. And then you throw in Austin Hooper. And then you also throw in Harrison Bryant, who flashed at times last year. So there is just way too many people that could see potential targets for Cleveland and their run first team. It's a no for me on Anthony Schwartz, and it's going to be a no for me on most of these wide receivers that went in the third round plus. Um, not really seeing too many guys that I have interest in. I, I think how I would narrow it, narrow it down would be Elijah Moore, Nico Collins, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Basically the three guys that I would target for 2021. Everyone else, nah. Nah, dude, nah. I, I have a little interest in Cornell Powell, who went in the oh, fifth round. Oh, of the yeah, Chiefs. we didn't mention him. Um, yes. You know, just just uh, just being attached to Patrick Mahomes is, is the only reason there. And, you know, outside of Tyreek Hill, there's room, right? You know, obviously Kelsey as well. I should have said that Tyreek and Kelsey are, are both dominant factors. But after that, you know, they lost Sammy Watkins. Michael Hardman has never really been what people wanted him to be. Demarcus Robinson. I think I'm the only truther left of him. He, he's obviously not it. So <laughs> Cornell Powell, you know, he he's more of a bigger body guy, if I'm not mistaken, and offers something that the rest of the Chiefs offense does not. So, you know, he's worth definitely taking a shot on. I think, you know, it's like a final round upside pick in a best ball tournament with playoff weeks and also, um, you know, in, in Dynasty for sure. I think that m the majority of the time, these fifth, sixth, seventh round wide receivers aren't going to work out. 
you know. Well, that that's true. I mean, shouting out our guy once again, uh, Dynasty Island on Twitter. I referenced uh, his his research about running backs and their hit rates from uh, day three in the draft, and the numbers are even more glaring for the wide receiver position. Between 2010 and 2019, there have been 162 wide receivers drafted in day three. Out of those 162 players, only four of them have gone on to be uh, top 24 wide receivers. So that is a 2.5% chance that any of these guys will put up a wide receiver two season. Um, yeah. Slim odds, to say the least. Yeah, definitely slim odds to produce a, a top 24 season out of these day three guys. But they're realistically going to be drafted as wide receiver like sixes. Or sevens or eights. Yeah, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're drafting them at that ADP, you only need them to beat that by by a slim margin so just in terms of that they could have some value but other than that i'm staying away from all these guys like i referenced this is a very very weak rookie class and a lot of people are going to overvalue these rookies so i I think this is a good year to just pick the established nfl players pick the guys that you know are going to have roles you don't need to waste picks on these speculative rookies especially when this was one of the worst recruiting years for scouts and teams ever because of covid so Mm, yeah that's definitely a good point all right before we move on to our final position tight end give me your top five wide receivers in terms of 2021 production yep so jamar chase one Devontae smith two jalen waddle three four i'll go with elijah moore and five give me bateman just because i think the opportunity will be there but six, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a six, Nico Collins. Yeah, so again, we're in lockstep at the top of our list. I've got Chase, Smith, Waddle as my one, two, and three. I think four. I mean, call me a homer if you want, but I think Amon Ross St. Brown has a lot of upside in terms of targets. So I'm going to put him at four, and I'm thinking the same thing at five. Just I'm looking at opportunity, I'm looking at targets, and I'm putting Nico Collins ahead of some of these guys who went much higher in the draft, like Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman. I just don't see them having the opportunity to dominate targets the same way that I do for St. Brown and Collins. So those are guys that I think I'm going to be targeting um, as late round flyers, uh, assuming that their draft price isn't too high. Yeah, I mean, I love I like your list and we differ a little bit, but opportunity will be king. Just the just the summary for me. I'm staying away from most of these rookies. Fair. All right. Let's move on to our final position here. Kyle Pitts goes with the fourth overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, the highest draft selection of a tight end in NFL history. And by all accounts, a stone cold stud. You know, people say that if he was a receiver, he'd be the best receiver in this class, even ahead of Jamar Chase. What do you think about this landing spot where he goes forward to Atlanta? I mean, I, I think it's a great landing spot for him. He goes to an elite offense with other elite players in Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And then you bring in Arthur Smith as a head coach, who was a great offensive coordinator in Tennessee. And then you have Matt Ryan, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and now become one of the best best ball quarterbacks to target in the 10th round or later for me personally. So I like Kyle Pitts. I, I think he is one of the best tight ends already in the NFL. I don't even care. He hasn't played a snap. Just in terms of pure raw talent, he's top five for me. And I'll bet on talent with Kyle Pitts, although the opportunity could be more slim than other tight ends in the NFL. His talent will definitely shine through. Just in terms of his ADP, 
I think that's the conversation here. We don't have to talk about him as a player. His ADP relative to the opportunity that he's going to get. So his ADP was pick 80, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where does that... He was already going as a... Essentially as the tight end seven or eight. Like he was going behind Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Mark Andrews. And, you know, after that, it's like what? Like TJ Hawkinson or Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Like, so, so Pitts was going right in that same range, uh, you know, ahead of Dallas Goddard, ahead of Gasicki, Higby, Ingram, you know, everybody in that range. So I think that that's fair. But at the same time, it's like, are you not drafting him at his ceiling a little bit, especially if the ADP rises? I, I mean, I'm scared to see if, you know, if we're talking Kyle Pitts in like the fifth or sixth round. I think it might be a no for me, dog. Yeah, I, I think we're aligned in that take. So before the draft, you could have got Kyle Pitts in the eighth or ninth round, usually, unless you were in a draft with bums who took him matterly for no reason. <laughs> I, I saw him go in like the fifth round in one draft, just egregious mm-hmm. someone in our discord said that they saw him go uh in the third round in the final day of that <laughs> drafters tournament I, I said what yeah yeah <laughs> uh so i i do agree that if his adp jumps two rounds or so from the eighth to the sixth or even the fifth round i i think it would be a no for me too just because the historical trend of rookie tight ends Hasn't been good, right? Rookie tight ends usually struggle. Kyle Pitts could be the outlier, and I think he does have a good chance of being the outlier. I think I would lean no, though. Like I know I'm kind of all over the board here, but it's just so hard with him because he's so talented. He's such a freak of nature. He's going to be a mismatch for any team that he plays. It's just, can you draft a rookie tight end in the sixth round now? or in the fifth round now. I don't know if you can. Just in terms of fantasy football and the positional value of tight end and the opportunity cost. So, God, that's going to be one of the more interesting players that I'm going to look at over the next couple of months because I definitely want to see where he goes. I, I might have less shares of him over the next four months than I did in the past two months. No, I agree. And I, I think in terms of best ball and redraft, I'll probably be lower on Kyle Pitts than consensus, or or maybe not lower in positional rankings, but lower in terms of where I'd be willing to take him in ADP compared to wide receivers and running backs. But in terms of dynasty, I mean, I, I have started putting together my initial rankings for some of these rookie drafts we've got coming up. And I mean, I, I think that Kyle Pitts would be my 103. Is that bold? I think there's a case that he could be the 101 mm. Mm. in non superflex drafts. Yes, in non not in non superflex. In non drafts. yeah, in non superflex, I think there is a case to be made that he is the 101. Wow, that's that's bold, but I I understand. I mean, if if this guy's the next Travis Kelsey, he's 20 years old, six six, runs a four four, has a 98th percentile speed score. <laughs> I I don't know. I think he's a 101. Is Julio Jones the third pass catcher for the Falcons now? <laughs> <laughs> Julio Jones might not be on the team come September. <laughs> uh, man, but, life, life comes at you fast, man. Damn. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts is... Kyle Pitts has the chance to to be the guy. Very interesting uh, from the tight end whisperer there that 
I mean, yeah, I, I that, take that, that into account. means a lot coming coming from me. I, I think Kyle Pitts, I might have to, to to roll back this take in a couple months and just draft as much Kyle Pitts as I can because <laughs> I think he he has the skill set to outproduce even a fifth-round ADP. Yeah, especially when you think about Mark Andrews going in the fifth round, right? Like like Kyle Pitts is, is clear-cut a better player than Mark Andrews, no? 100%. Don't like yeah. Mark Andrews has stone hands. Like he's gonna lose that job to Josh Oliver. No cap. <laughs> All right, I, we've definitely been recording this podcast too long. Now that we're talking about Josh Oliver, I mean, are there any other tight ends that we really need to hit on? I know that you know Pittsburgh took Pat Fearmuth in in the fifty fifth. Uh, or with the 55th pick, I should say, second round. Uh, we had some other guys go, you know, relatively early. Hunter Long to Miami with the 81st. My boy Tommy Tremble. I mean, I just like that name at 83. I respect that. Sounds like someone coming out of Peaky Blinders. And then, you know, Brevin Jordan, 147, was a guy that we had our eye on pre-draft as a, as a pass-catching threat. But he goes to Houston, which is, you know, about the worst possible situation for, <laughs> for an offensive skill position player right now. Yeah, I mean, none of these guys are going to have any fantasy relevance in 2021 so yeah so i mean if i was going to ask you your rankings for tight end i think one through five is just kyle pitts on repeat no? <laughs> yeah i mean for dynasty pat fryermuth has you know some upside because pittsburgh doesn't really have an elite tight end they have eric ebron so he's going to be the starter for 2021 but for dynasty if you're looking long term fryermuth is probably the guy long term uh, for the Steelers. So. Any interest in uh, Luke Farrell uh, for Jacksonville went at the top of the fifth round. They don't really have anybody at tight end and you know he could immediately slot in and, and be there for Trevor. So he did play for Ohio State, played for Urban Meyer there before Urban Meyer left and maybe that's why he drafted him but I don't see him as much of a receiving threat so no. I mean mm. nah just, just nah. Kyle Pitts all the way all of these other guys are trash yeah I, I think we're on the same page with that all right i mean is there anything else i feel like we've said it all and and maybe some more even a little more than all uh, at this point but yeah. is there anything else that you want to touch on as far as the 2021 nfl draft nah i mean like you said we covered it all and i i just think that what the listeners need to know is that you know don't don't overvalue these rookies for 2021 because there's a good chance that a lot of these guys don't have any sort of fantasy relevance in 2021. I think there could be some value in fading these guys, especially if their ADPs jump two or three rounds like Kyle Pitts or Michael Carter or, you know, whomever. Yeah, a lot of the ancillary guys at all of the positions, I would be very, very cautious of in the coming weeks as their ADPs uh, start to skyrocket now. I think that there are exceptions, like the top guy at each position, I feel very comfortable with. Uh, You know, Jamar Chase, if that's in the fifth round, I'm okay with that. Kyle Pitts, you know, sixth, seventh, I'll still consider it fifth. I don't know. We'll have to see where that goes. Trevor Lawrence, I'll be buying him. Uh, Najee Harris, I'll continually be buying him regardless of how high the ADP goes. So there are exceptions, but all in all, I think Joey's point is, is very strong and we have to be cautious of a lot of these guys going a little bit too high. So we'll be keeping tabs on that 100% over the, uh, over the coming weeks and months. Yep. 100% agree. All right. That is going to be it for episode 140 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. I am at Ben Hover and Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. 
New episodes of the podcast drop every single week on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. If you guys want to support the show, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel also at the DFS Dose where we do live streams every single Monday and put content out throughout the week. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes. Bye.